Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Right, so Alex, uh, I've heard an interesting story about you and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Please yeah. tell us more. Yeah, uh, very briefly when I was younger, I played for Southampton and he was sort of coming up in the ranks and he was a few years younger than me. Yeah. And he took my place in the team. So uh, <laughs> it was all very embarrassing. But uh, yeah, no, even at that age, you could tell that he was going to be a brilliant player. Yeah. So um, yeah, I suppose it wasn't too shameful to be fair. Do you think honest. he's a good player now? I do, yeah. He, um, at Arsenal, he was very sort of hit and miss. But now he's moved to Liverpool, he's sort of kicked on a bit. I think that probably says more about Arsenal than it does yeah. him, to be perfectly honest. But um, yeah, no, I think he's been he's been superb this year since yeah. he's since he's joined. So, he's, yeah. He surprised me a little bit at Liverpool, I must say. Yeah, he's he's sort of become a bit of an all action midfielder, which I didn't really think was his game. But yeah. um, no, he looks good, and I hope he gets in the World Cup squad. To be nice. honest, but yeah. you played football at quite a high standard, I understand. Well, yeah, I, after Southampton, uh, I went to Oxford United. Uh, so yeah, that, at that point they were in League Two. So this was until I was about uh, eighteen. So right. yeah, it was uh, it was a certain standard. It yeah. wasn't the best. Why but, did you finish? Uh, I had two knee really bad knee injuries. Oh so you know, same old sob story really. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but now I'm here and I'm writing instead. Yeah. You've so, moved up in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My pay hasn't. No, that's the only thing. Did you ever play football <laughs> at a particularly high level, Francesco? Absolutely not. No, like zero. <laughs> you played violin, though, right? I played violin for ten years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and uh, then I quit it and uh, I started writing sports and football. Yeah. And now here I am. <laughs> Indeed. I never played football at a high level either, but I probably my proudest achievement as a football player is me and my mates w- once won a game of five-a-side 2-0 against a team that were much better than us. <laughs> 2-0. Like, we were knackered as well. We'd already played one game that day. That is, I don't uh, think anyone's ever kept a clean sheet in a five-a-side uh, game before or since. No, so. It's a solid. Very yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the One Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Burke, standing in for Ian McCourt this week. Uh, the other two voices you can hear are new to the podcast, and they belong to Alex Mott. Hello. I'm Francesco Portio. Ciao. Uh, if you've got any stories about being better than Premier League footballers or extraordinary feats of five-a-side, we'd love to hear them. You can contact us with any questions, queries or flagrant abuse by email on podcast at onefootball.com or on Twitter at onefootballen. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and give us a rating. Uh, we're going to start today's podcast in England, West London to be precise. Uh, since last week's show, Ian McCourt copped a bit of flack on Twitter for suggesting that Chelsea's players weren't playing for the manager in that 3-0 defeat against Bournemouth. Uh, perhaps you could put that result down to an off night or a bit of fatigue, but their 4-1 defeat away at Watford on Monday suggests something's definitely not right there, isn't it, Alex? Ian's not here, but I completely agree with him. Uh, Chelsea were pathetic on Monday, really, I think. Um, yeah, this is a Watford side... They haven't been without their problems over the past few months, and I know they've got a new manager, new manager bounce and all that, but... For them to score four against Chelsea, I think Chelsea have got to look at themselves really. Uh, they flatlined after Mourinho, you know, after they won the league with Mourinho. Mm-hmm. They've done the same again this year with Conte. Um, and I think you've just got to take, take a step back really and think, is the manager the problem? I mm. don't think it is. I think the players are the problem. Really. You do? Yeah. But do you think Conte will last much longer there? Can you see him staying even till the end of the season now? I, I mean, yesterday morning, I'd have said no. I thought he was going to get the sack. But from what we've been hearing, it looks like he might get until the end of the season, um, which is makes a refreshing change for <laughs> Chelsea. Um, but yeah, it does look like he's going to get until the, the end of the season. But he, I mean, he's almost been willing the Chelsea board to sack him. Mm. 
Um, and so maybe he doesn't want to leave. I maybe. don't know. But yeah. yeah. Who would you get to replace him if you if it was up to you? I mean, if it was up to me, I'd go for Thomas Tuchel. Mm. I think he would be brilliant in the in the Premier League. Um, but it looks like Luis Enrique. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd, I'm unsure about Luis Enrique. I've got to be honest. Yeah. So uh, it's you know I know he was brilliant at Barcelona, but he never did that well at Celta Vigo. He wasn't brilliant at Roma. Um, could he do it at Chelsea? Mm. I guess the, the jury's out really. But yeah, Thomas Tuchel would be the one that I'd go for. I kind of think with Enrique that the sort of criticism that gets levelled at Pep Guardiola a lot is quite valid with him, that he did, it, it was mainly the sort of players at Barcelona that got him that success, that yeah, Champions League th- and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know that sounds like an easy thing to, to say, but yeah, I think he has got a lot to prove, definitely, mm. yeah. Uh, Francesco, um, Italy appointed the under-21 coach Luigi Di Biagio as their interim manager on Monday. Exactly. Um, do you think Conte might go back there? Okay, um, Conte day? actually, I think he wants to go back to Italy. Uh, but also there is Paris Saint-Germain who is really interested to appoint Conte for next season. So we're going to see. There are actually three options right now for the Italy manager and there are three all former Premier League managers because there are Antonio Conte who is not former yet but he will become soon, (laughs) I think. (laughs) And then there is Roberto Mancini that you know well and then there is Claudio Ranieri Mm -hmm. that they all can be the managers of Italy from the next year. But also Gigi Di Biagio can remain if uh, he's going to do well in the next two friendly matches in mm-hmm. March. So he has his, uh, his possibilities to stay, we'll see. But Conte is for sure one of the top choices for the next manager. Well, never mind Conte. Do you think Chelsea fans should be a bit more concerned about losing Eden Hazard this summer? City, yeah. Uh, yeah. Real Madrid are thought to be sniffing around him. He scored a great goal in that game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a player of his quality deserves to be going deep in the Champions League every season, to be honest. And there's not many players better than him in the Premier League right now. Um I, I sort of looked at the uh looked at his stats a little bit and he's only he's played in the last sixteen twice and the semi finals of the Champions League once. I think for a player of his quality he wants to be going and playing semi finals, quarter finals every single year. Um so I think he'll probably wanna move to City mm. or Real Madrid. And Real Madrid are always looking for that next big name. Um, you know, Benzema's on, on great form, Ronaldo's not getting any younger. So I think Eden Hazard is a player they'd definitely, definitely look at. Mm. It's going to be pricey though, isn't it? I don't think you'll get much change out of 200 million quid for him. Probably not, no, but, you know, what's 200 million <laughs> to a club like Real Madrid, you know? <laughs> uh, we've had a question from a listener. Uh, Anoj Kelkar asks uh, Chelsea have a flurry of crazy fixtures coming their way soon. Is their small squad really as small as Conte keeps complaining? Can they not recall their lone players when needed? Uh, I mean, is Chelsea have got a brilliant squad, we know that. But like we said earlier on, are the players really playing for their manager? So I don't really I don't think it really matters how big the squad is, to be perfectly mm. honest. If they're not playing for their manager, it can be as big as he wants. But yeah, they have got some really difficult fixtures coming up. I've obviously got Barcelona in the Champions League. I personally can't see them beating Barcelona and then that for me is their season done. Mm. So yeah, it's uh yeah. Are they still in the FA Cup, Chelsea? Uh, I think they are. They aren't are. They? Yes, yeah. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know they've got. But yeah, I can't. I can't see them beating Barcelona in the Champions League. To be honest, no, it's not looking great, is it? No. Uh, well, moving away from Chelsea, there was another very interesting game in the Premier League Anfield on Sunday. Um, it ended quite controversially with Spurs being awarded two penalties, the second of which was dispatched by Harry Kane for a two-two draw with his uh, 100th Premier League goal. Yeah. What did you make of those two refereeing decisions? Um, Ultimately, they were correct. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the second one was clearly a penalty. 
I really don't see how anyone can argue otherwise, to be perfectly honest. Um, but the first one, I think the bigger issue really is the offside law itself. Mm-hmm. I think the the rule has been changed and tweaked so many times over the years that I don't think me, myself, as a fan, players, managers really know what is offside now. So, you know, it's a much more fluid... Offside is a much more fluid concept than it used to be. So I just don't think that that's a good thing. Um, but ultimately, the the decisions were correct, mm-hmm. but I think we need to look at what the offside rule is and how it's implemented. I'd like to go back to the days where there was there's daylight between the attacker yeah, and the defender. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, they did get it just right in the end, but how how they went about it was yeah not great for me. If I was a Liverpool fan, I think I'd take more umbrage with the second penalty because I thought that was very unfortunate. Really, basically, Lamella just kind of ran in front of Van Dijk's foot. Van Dijk was going to kick the ball. Um, oh, I don't know. Does that oh, mean if you a... just get yourself in front of a player when he's about to kick the ball, you can get a penalty? Now, is that what a penalty? <sighs> for me, that's contact spread. For me, <laughs> it's a contact sport, though. Isn't yeah, it? Just, I know, contact but... doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be. Oh, for me, that's a penalty all day long. I think Lamella's <laughs> done well. Van Dijk doesn't know where he is. You know, I know he's gone to kick the ball, but ultimately he's kicked the man. So. Yeah, that's a that's a penalty for me. And fair fair play to Harry Kane for stepping up after missing his first one, which was a terrible penalty, by the way. Yeah. To step up, second penalty, hundredth goal, yeah, yeah, fair play. Well, as he said himself, you can't give him two chances like that. Wow, well, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um I mean the previous the game previous to that Anfield, uh, Liverpool were not set the cup by West Brom was controversial for a different reason, talking about the, the use of video technology yeah. and how it was kind of harming the game in, in a way. Um do you think that, that game on Sunday, if anything, strengthened the case for video technology? Oh, I personally no. I don't think it does. <laughs> I know you disagree with Dan, but um I'm really conflicted over VAR or VAR, whatever we're calling it. Yeah. i I wanna welcome progress into the game. And what? at the start, <laughs> at the start of the season, I thought this would be brilliant. This would be a brilliant addition. But the, how, it, how it is at the moment, it's current guys. I just don't think it's workable. The decisions that they're going to VAR with, there's too much discretion, and it's you know there's too many grey areas. And I just yeah, I don't see how a video assistant can help those particular decisions at the moment. I don't know. Actually, in Italy we have VAR. Yeah. And- I would say it's doing great because 90%, 95% of the times they're doing the correct choice. Then, of course, there are there is this 5% who is very uh, discussed at this moment in Italy. There are managers who hate VAR, but I think that it's something good for football mm-hmm. at the but, end. But at the think- end of the day, I mean, I know there are bad parts, bad aspects, but at the end of the day, it's something good for progress and for, I, yeah, I, for fairness also. But don't you think... The decisions that they need to deliberate over, they have to be black and white to get decisions yeah, but correct. It's yeah. very subjective what is black yeah. and what is white. You know, you know what I mean? Like, well, in Germany, they changed the definition of, of what a, a, it was a clear and obvious wrong decision, I think, was the, yeah. the terminology that they, they, which I don't really understand what that means personally. And, that, and that's, and I do get that, but in, in the FA Cup this year, there's, you know, if, if say one referee thinks it's a handball in the penalty area, the video assistant might think otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's there's just too many grey areas yeah. for me at the moment. Also, there so. are referees who don't like VAR, especially in Italy, and they don't want to use it. Mm-hmm. And the the video sense assistant referee cannot say um, you have to use it. So yeah. it's very yeah. contradictory in this sense. <laughs> and also the fact that we are going to have VAR in the World Cup, 
and the recipe for this. There are no referees yeah, that are like trained to this, yeah. unless the Italian and the German ones. Yeah. So we're going to talk about VAR a lot. Yeah, that's the the thing. I want it to work. I really, really do because obviously I, I, I want every decision to be correct. But as it is at the moment, I just I can't see it working at the moment. Uh, well, Mo Salah scored a brace in this game uh, that takes his tally to a staggering 28 goals this season. Um, I'd say it's probably between him and Kevin De Bruyne for the Premier League Player of the Year. Who, who would your money be on or who would your vote go to? Definitely between those two. It's such a hard call because I love watching them both. I think Salah is the only player for me that can get close to what Messi does on the mm. ball. He's that good. Um, but having said that, De Bruyne is just such a class act. I love watching him play. I mean, even at the weekend, they didn't... They weren't uh, City weren't brilliant against Burnley, but the Bruyne was just different class, mm-hmm. pulling the strings, just sitting at the base of that midfield. The way he glides through players, you know, both feet. I, yeah, it's De Bruyne for me, but it's a very, very close call. So I love both of them. Yeah. yeah, was Salah that good in Italy? I don't remember him being that good in Italy. I don't. I, I was so, I, I was a bit underwhelmed by that signing in the summer, but. He's been amazing. Yeah, it was great in Roma. Was and, it? Yeah. Uh, um, he was playing exactly exactly like this year, I think, in Italy in Serie A, and he was fundamental for Roma. And that's also a problem for Roma this year. They didn't replace him. They bought Chic instead of him, and he's not doing what Salah did for Roma. And uh, but Roma had to sell, to sell it for the financial reasons. So. They didn't have choice, you know. To mm-hmm. I think the only downside for me with Salah is he does need four or five chances to. Yeah, to, yeah, that was exactly the same. Like they were attacking yeah. and criticizing him for the fact that he was not the striker that you know scored twenty goals and this year how many goals well, he scored? Yeah, like two, more yeah, than twenty. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's a great player. Love him. Uh, well, another brilliant striker made his uh, his Premier League debut um, at the weekend. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang uh, scored on his debut in a five nil five one win over Everton for Arsenal. What did you make of that? Yeah, I was really impressed. Um, he, I think he's what Arsenal needs. He's a player that will stretch defenses, goes in behind. I'm really looking forward to see how seeing how him and Ozil work together. But for me, the standout was Mkhitaryan. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought his all-round contribution was was amazing. Um, I mean, it was against an Everton side who were abysmal. So I <laughs> don't want to go too overboard with my praise. But um, yeah, I was impressed with Bamiang and Mkhitaryan, mm-hmm. to be honest. I was quite pessimistic about Arsenal's top four chances on the, uh, the podcast last week. But yeah. given the way Chelsea are playing at the moment, do you think they've got a good chance? No, I don't. No. no. Uh, for me, it's City, United, Liverpool and Spurs. Um, Arsenal are still too unbalanced for me personally. I'm I'm amazed they didn't bring the centre back in January. Mm. Uh, I know Johnny Evans was of interest. Daniel Rugani at Juventus was someone that was being touted as well. Um, yeah, they they didn't. To, for me, they didn't need to buy any strikers. <laughs> they bought two, brilliant, but they needed centre halves and they haven't got any. And as long as. Wenger's still manager and I'm, I'm not confident <laughs> of them getting any sort of consistency so no I don't think they're top four uh, Going back to Harry Kane for a second um, I saw an interview he did with the Players Tribune this week uh, when he said for a long time my motivation was to simply close my eyes and picture myself scoring against Arsenal in the Premier League <laughs> I've done that a few times now and it never gets old it's the North London derby at Wembley on Saturday do you it think is. he'll score again and how, how do you see that one panning out? Yeah I, I think he will score uh, <laughs> I think he'll score every game to be perfectly honest um, yeah that's got Tottenham win all over it for me. I think it'll be a brilliant game. North London derbies are always fantastic. But um, yeah, Tottenham just, 
they they were brilliant against Man United last week. I know they only drew with Liverpool, but I've not seen a team dominate Liverpool at Anfield like Spurs did on Sunday. Um, I just think that they they look really really good at the moment, and they're sort of peaking at just the right time. So I know my predictions aren't the best, but I would <laughs> I'd go for Spurs to yeah if I was yeah. a betting man. You, you did predict Everton to cause an upset. I, yeah, week, didn't I, I didn't think we were going to mention that, but yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> Speaking of which, Sam Allardyce said that um, Everton season's a write-off. Um, I think we knew that already, didn't we? But do you think they should be worried about potentially getting sucked into a relegation dogfight? The seven points above the relegation zone. Yeah, I mean, I th- there's too many. There's three worse teams in the Premier League <laughs> than Everton, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be personally too worried about them going down, but. I've got a few Everton fan. I've got a few friends who are Everton fans. Um, a few of which went to the game on Saturday, oh and I think they left uh, on thirty minutes. Um, I spoke to him yesterday, and uh, they can't wait for Big Sam to leave. To oh, be yeah. honest, they're sort of counting down really? the days until he leaves already. <laughs> um, I mean, Marco Silva's available, so the mm. man they wanted uh, initially is uh, is around. So who knows? But. Yeah, they're just so boring, aren't they? The, mm. I mean, that game on Saturday was particularly bad. Mangala was awful. <laughs> just five men behind the ball, you know, drops to Gerson, drop Rooney. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just not looking good for them. And they, yeah, but I don't think they'll go down. But they'll be very boring until now, from now until May. Well, anyone from Bournemouth down the table could potentially be relegated this season. So that includes Watford, West Ham, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Newcastle, Swansea, Stoke, Huddersfield, and West Brom. Who who are your three for the drop? Do you think? Uh, well, the two definites for me are West Brom and Huddersfield. Um, when I looked at that West Brom lineup at the weekend against Southampton, I could not believe Jay Rodriguez wasn't playing. Mm. He's been their best player for six weeks. Um, and to drop him for Daniel Sturridge, I thought was amazing. Uh, obviously, they lost 3 2. They look like they really missed Krakowiak as well. They had a midfield two of Jakob and Barry. <laughs> and that's just not good enough in, in the Premier League in 2018. Um, Huddersfield, they've fallen off a cliff. Maybe I'm judging them a bit too harshly because they're a brilliant star, but yeah, they're regressing for me. And the third one, it could be any of those really, but I'd plump for Newcastle right now. Mm. They they just look like a championship team. They didn't yeah. bring, they didn't bring enough quality quality in in January. Obviously, Rafa was you know, begging Mike Ashley to <laughs> uh, to sign someone. They signed a few, but yeah, they just don't look good enough for me. Yeah. Poor Rafa. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we're going to move away from England now because one league where there's a proper title race to get excited about is in Serie A. Um, but before we get stuck into that, Bologna played Fiorentina on Sunday and something truly incredible happened, didn't it, Francesco? Yeah, it was incredible. Last five minutes, both teams scored directly from corner. And the first one was Fiorentina with Veretù and three minutes after, Pulgar did the same with for Bologna. And it was something... In Italy, it never happened. Mm. And in the past, I know that James Rodriguez in 2004 scored two goals from corner in the <laughs> same game really? when he was, he was 12. Yeah. Playing in a <laughs> Colombian, uh, I don't know, young, for young talents cup, something like that. And, but that was something incredible. And I, I don't think it's going to happen again in the next it's 10 hard. years. Yeah. I, I, I had a look and the only instance I could find of it happening, both teams scoring direct from corners in the same game, uh, it was a match that happened five years ago in the Spanish third division. <laughs> yeah. I don't, a, I don't even know how anyone you know, quantifies these deep things. Level research yeah. Actually, the first goal, the one that Fiorentina scored, was assigned as an own goal. Not of... for me. <laughs> Not for you? <laughs> no. You can't, you can't just you know, airbrush a moment that of history like that, actually, can yeah. you? Yeah. 
Um, so, so yeah. I mean, speaking of the Scudetto, uh, five months ago there were there were four or five t- teams fighting f- for that. Um, it looks like it's going to be between Juventus and Napoli now. Um, Juve beat Sassuolo seven nil at the weekend. Napoli won two nil away at Benevento. Who would you like to win the league, and who do you think will win the league? I would like Napoli just for a changing in yeah. Italian mm. Serie A in the yeah, last ten yeah. years. But I think that the next two weeks will be fundamental in this direction because there is Champions League and Juve is playing with the Spurs and Napoli is playing with Lipsia in Europe League and Napoli really doesn't care about Europe League. Mm-hmm. So I will not be surprised if they go out in the next round. Yeah. And Juve will care much more about Champions League than Serie A in the next two weeks. So we'll see what's going to happen in Italy. And... Uh, Juve is mentally stronger, I think, because they know how to win. They have the history. Napoli doesn't have changes. In fact, if Mertens breaks up yeah, in some ways, yeah, yeah. they don't have a replacement. And so it's very difficult to predict, honestly. But I think that Napoli this year is something more, psychologically speaking. Mm. There's been talk of Maurizio Sarri potentially being lured away by Chelsea at the end of the season. Do you think that could happen? or is it I would see definitely Sarri in Premier League. Oh, yeah, I know he's been learning English, so which oh, really? is, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a sign. But it can be a sign. Yeah. Actually, today there were rumours about Sarri to Arsenal. Oh, really? So I can mm. see him in Arsenal too. Mm. I can see him playing, uh, managing in Premier League. He's worked wonders. Maybe I don't see him Chelsea because Abramovich is not the kind of president who gives time to the coach. Yeah, you know? And yeah. definitely he will need time because of his idea of football is very, I would say it's very romantic, very poetic in a way, hmm. very old style. Yeah. And he needs time for sure. And I don't know if Abramovich has the time and the willingness to give time for, mm. to adapt to the Premier League. But I can't wait to see Guardiola against Sarri. Yeah, and, uh, I was just going to say the exact same thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, now, you're an Inter fan. Um, yeah, I yes, I am. You've worked with us for about three months now, and you said the other day that Inter haven't won while you've been working in Berlin. Is that true? <laughs> it's true. And what, what has gone wrong there? Okay, so um, I think it's very simpli- simplistic to say that it's Paletti's fault because Inter changed manager every year in the last five years, even six years. So... Saying that the responsibilities are only of the managers is completely wrong, I think, in my opinion. For sure, their group is not solid anymore. There is a problem within the Croatian clan and the Argentinian clan. Mauro Cardin, Brozovic, they have discussion in the last weeks. And, you know, when there is no group in the locker room, you cannot build, I think, success in your team. So something is falling apart there. Um, then, of course, Inter became predictable because Inter played only with Perisic on left and Kandreev on the right and striker Icardi. So I think he has, Spalletti has to change something in the lineups. And I think the key player here can be Rafinha mm. because Rafinha is a unique player for Inter right now. He's the only one who can play between the midfield and the strikers. So his positioning in the field can be very important for the Inter to came up. And the third place is in one point ahead because Lazio and Roma are not doing better than yeah. Inter right now. Mm-hmm. So the fight is still open. and But they need to change something for sure. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, AC Milan uh, being coached by Gennaro Gattuso at the moment. Um, I love this quote from him at the weekend. He said, we're not Brad Pitt now. We've got to continue being as ugly as me and my beard with dark circles under our eyes. I don't think he was that ugly, really, but, you know, a bit self-deprecating. I love Gattuso. I would say Gattuso is great for 
the Italian football and we missed him actually. And, uh, is he doing a good job? I think he's doing a great job and mm-hmm. I hope that AC Milan is going to confirm him for the next year because uh, until now he's, he's interim. Do you think he's a big enough name for the Chinese owners? But who are these Chinese owners? Wow, that, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true, another yeah. question. We should have another podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah another podcast. So, but let's to keep it short. I think Gattuso is doing great. They, when they signed him, they they told us that, I mean, the press was considering him the uh, Agarra. You know what I mean? Like mm. he was he was there for his willingness to his character and Passion. not for his. Mm. Um, actual um, ideas of football, you know, and he completely demonstrated the opposite yeah. because Milan is playing better. Uh, they have a better athletic condition and I think they can, if Inter, Roma and Lazio go in this direction, they also can make it for Champions League mm. if they are go- we are going the same direction for the last, next two months. So I think Gattuso needs to be the Milan manager next year. Otherwise, it's like Inter. You change coach every year and then nothing happens mm. really to change the situation of the team. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gennaro himself said. Uh, looking right down the other end of the Serie A table now, uh, Benevento made an interesting signing uh, recently, didn't they? Yeah, they signed Bakari Sagna. Yeah. You know him. <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, and he said, that was uh, impressive. And also Benevento tried to sign uh, Nasri and Song. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying okay. to get the Arsenal 2010 <laughs> yeah, team yeah, back together. Exactly. Uh, so I want to say that they are a risk, all of these players, because mm. they can play like two, three games and then disappear forever. Yeah. Honestly, that's my sensation right now. But Benevento did a great transfer window in January because they have financial resources, unlike many other teams in Italy. They have actually a situation that allows them to buy, to sign this place, not buy because they were on free. But they had to do this in summer, not in January, because mm, now it's yeah, late. It's so, um, I mean, I don't think they're going to make it to stay in Serie A. They're, what, 12 points from safety at the moment? I yeah, think, but they? also the teams had are doing good job, like Inter mm. draw against, uh, sorry, Crotone draw against Inter last Saturday. Spal is the one who maybe is a little bit under this uh, other teams, but I think that Benevento is not going to make it, mm, honestly. Right, yeah. Well, San, you said going to Benevento is not a move I am making for financial reasons. I could have gone to many other clubs, many of whom made substantial offers to me. My career for the past decade has been at the very top level. What Benevento offers me is the opportunity to represent the underdog and to play for a club whose story is such a beautiful one. Love that. He's got his okay, work cut out there, uh, Does he, he really think that first? <laughs> and secondly... <laughs> I don't know if there are other top teams that were willing to sign Sanya, honestly, <laughs> in this transfer market. <laughs> uh, just quickly on Buffon, um, it's, uh, it's been widely expected that he'll hang up his gloves at the end of the season, but there was a bit of talk last week that he might play on and possibly not with Juventus. Is that true? Is there anything? Okay, my impression that? is that he wants to, he didn't want to leave Italy with the tragedy of San Siro against Sweden. So my, my impression is that he wants to play until 2020 actually, because he wants to play with the <laughs> Europe Cup in um, in 2020 for Italy. But Juventus is not willing to let him play for Juventus yeah. <laughs> in the next two years because they have Chesney who is doing great yeah, uh-huh. and also like because he's 40 right now. And uh, so we'll see. I think he didn't have, he didn't decide yet. Juventus is pressuring to deciding soon and uh, I don't know what is going to happen. But because here in Italy, every year we have something like that. We had Zanetti two years ago. 
we had Totti last year. You remember yeah. what happened with Totti? Yeah, that yeah. was everyone was crying at the stadium, myself. <laughs> and so in Italy, every year there is a big disaster about someone retiring. Mm. <laughs> this, and this is this is the year of Buffon, and we'll see what's going to happen. My bet is that he wants to continue for another year, maybe two. Let's hope so. Mm. I hope so too. Next week sees the triumphant return of the Champions League, something I, for one, am very excited about. Um, so let's have a little run through each of the last 16 ties, see if we think we'll progress to the quarterfinals, shall we? Um, so we've got Juventus v Spurs. Who are you going for there, Alex? Yeah, I can't wait for this one. Um, I think it's going to be tight, but I'm going to go Juventus just mm. for me. Juventus, absolutely, 100%. Yeah? yeah yes. so. <laughs> Too strong for Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, could Basel spring a surprise against Man City? Uh, I know they've got a good record against English clubs. That's I true, remember yeah. them beating Man United a few years ago, but nah, City will be too good for them. Was Salah playing for Basel? Yeah, I think what, he the, was. The they yeah. beat Chelsea in the Europa League, didn't they, with, with Salah? That's right, yeah. But no, nah, I think City are going to be too nah. good for them. Yeah, 100% City. Yeah. Porto, yeah. Liverpool? Uh, this is going to be a tight one as well. I know Porto are unbeaten this season, mm. um, but I'm going to go Liverpool on away goals here. Yeah, I think... Liverpool are looking good. Salah's, yeah, he's probably one of the form, well, probably the form player in Europe at the moment. So, yeah, Liverpool just for me. I feel the same. I think there's going to be like a seven goals match, the first one, <laughs> yeah. and eight the second one. But I think Liverpool is going to make it. Yeah. This is the big one. Real Madrid yeah. PSG. Yeah, can't wait for this. Um, I think, well, uh, no, Madrid season balls down to this really because they've lost the league. Um and I guess the same for PSG, but for different reasons, because their league's over as well, but, you know, because they've already won it, really. <laughs> um, but I just I just don't trust PSG. So I'm going to go with Madrid to come wow. on top. Yeah, I just... I mean, I will go with PSG just for because I don't see Real Madrid now playing good football. And, like, I know that Champions League can be very different, some some, some games, but... If Ronaldo doesn't do Ronaldo, I think that there is no chance for Real Madrid this mm. year. Also yeah. because Neymar is playing for uh, <laughs> yeah. for PSG and I think he is going to concentrate all the last six months in this game. I mean, that's the match for Neymar. Yeah. Otherwise, but, yeah. it's going to be a failure yeah. because nobody cares about Big Gun. Sorry week, about for Big listeners, but... That's true. I mean, he did. He said after the game last week, like, oh, I'm so excited to play Real Madrid. I can't yeah. wait. He just wants a challenge, doesn't it's he? It's going to be a brilliant game. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, Bayern Munich, Besiktas. Uh, yeah, Bayern for me. I know Besiktas were brilliant in the group stages, and that stadium looks absolutely insane. Yeah. But yeah, I think Bayern, you know, their experience in the Champions League knockout stages, I think they'll be a bit too good. Mm. I would just, I'm just going to say watch out for Pep and Gary Medel playing for uh, oh, yeah. because they're going to be tough take some chunks out of you <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Chelsea Barcelona yeah uh, I think we mentioned this earlier on but um, I just think Barcelona are going to be a bit too good for Chelsea really um, Chelsea just don't look at the races at the moment and yeah Barcelona will look also look Conte's Champions League history is very poor yeah with Juventus he didn't do great that's the main reason why he had he wanted to leave Juventus because he was kind of afraid of the Champions League, mm. and so I think that Barcelona will win this tournament. Uh, Sevilla, Manchester United. Um, if you'd have asked me in December, I might have said it was close. But Sevilla have just they're a completely different side now. Mm. New manager, they're not doing well in La Liga, so I, 
I think United will cruise through this, to be honest. Uh, Easy one for José against Montella. Strange appointment that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, finally, Shakhtar, Donetsk versus Roma. I think this is, might be the underrated game of the round. Oh, yeah? Yeah, two, two really good teams. Um, obviously, Shakhtar are going to be a bit rusty with the winter break. Um, but Francesco might say more. Well, I don't think Roma are playing that well at the moment. So I'm going to go Shakhtar to just, just edge it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I would say, I, I mean, I don't want to be too Italian, but I think that Roma is going to make it just because they have a better team overall. And for the reason you said that they had the winter break yeah. in Ukraine, so I think that Roma is actually recovering. They won against Elas uh, um, Verona last uh, last day, last Sunday. So I think that Roma is gonna is gonna win this too. Well, based on those predictions, we could potentially have four or even five English teams in the quarterfinals of the Champions League this year. Yeah. There's been a lot of hand-wringing in recent years about the state of the English game and how you know the, the failure of English clubs in Europe yeah. means that we're on the decline. Do you think this means that it's on its way back up now? Uh, I just I, th- I feel like these things are always cyclical, really. <laughs> what that... is the English game, for a start? There's well, about four yeah. English players playing for all of these teams. Yeah, exactly. So. You know, We had that period where England dominated, Spanish clubs dominated, You know, now... Premier League clubs are back into the knockout stages. You know, you have Man United that went away for a few years, now they're back, established Premier League, City getting better in Europe every year. Same for Liverpool, same for Spurs, you know, more experience. So I didn't, when there weren't any English teams in the knockout stages, I didn't think the English game was gone. <laughs> and now there's loads, I don't think it's back. I just, you know, these things are always cyclical. So, Indeed. yeah, I wouldn't get too worked up about it. Uh, Francesco, Juventus have made it to two of the last three finals and lost both of them. Do you think this year they're finally good enough to win it? Honestly, no, because I see other teams stronger. And, um, I mean, it was very different, the first final to the second final, I think. The first final was at the end of a cycle with Pirlo playing, with Tevez playing, with Vidal playing. And last year they had Vida, uh, Dybala playing his first Champions League final, for example. So it was completely different. In fact, last year I think they lost mentally. When Ramadou scored the second goal, they just went cup KO. And uh, <laughs> I think that this year it's very difficult because there is Manchester City who is Mm-hmm. Great, just great, I think. Thank you. Not because you're here, but <laughs> <laughs> I think if they play against Man City, I mean, I think that in one game they can beat anyone also. Mm-hmm. But it depends what's going to be after Spurs because I think that they're going to pass against yeah. Spurs, but we'll see after. All right, well, very quickly then, both of you, who, who do you think will win it? I'm going to go for Bayern Munich. Mm. Um, I think... Bundesliga is done basically so yeah. I think they'll focus all their attention in the Champions League they've had a few near misses um, but I think with Heinkers they're good enough now I think yeah it's fine for me I will go with Manchester City oh nice yeah. I wouldn't even say that so. <laughs> <laughs> because Premier League is done too and, <laughs> yeah, uh, really and my dream final will be City United Pep, Pep oh, against Jose. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Just because Jose and Pep are my, you know, I love them both. Yeah, your spirit animals. Yeah, and <laughs> I want to see them play in the final. And I hope that Mourinho wins, but I don't think he's going to win it. And I think that City will be the next Champions League and how about you, winner. Pep? I think Barcelona, personally. I hope you're right, Francesco, but I think it might be a bridge too far for City this season. Yeah. Uh, but that's about all we've got time for this week. Uh, thank you to Alex, Francesco, our producer, Damo, and for you, the listeners, for listening at home. And we'll be back next week and we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.